Everybody says, Amen. So it's, it's just so interesting how God works. I am a person that usually my head hits the pillow and I'm out. So I fall asleep really quickly. Last night, I went to go to sleep, and I laid there, and I was just wide awake. It was really weird because um, that doesn't usually happen to me. And so I got out of bed after I went to sleep, and I laid by my fireplace and uh, prayed a little while. And then I just listened for a while and did a couple other things, and I got back in bed, and I laid there wide awake again. And I was like, okay, God, what's going on? Are you wanting to speak to me? Before you know it, I was out, then woke up to my husband not feeling well. And um, then got up and then went back to sleep and thought, I'm not going to start studying at 1 a.m. I'm going to go back to sleep and trust that when I get up at 6 a.m., you're going to prepare me. <laughs> so um, as I just lay there this morning asking God for what he wanted to share, um, I felt like I would continue on to what Jeff has started with the series about rescue. Last week, we were um, encouraged that we have been rescued to become, how many of y'all were listening? What? rescuers. Yes, say it again. You were rescued to become rescuers. We're called to be rescuers. This morning, I want to talk about the God of the rescue, the God of the rescue. Um, as I was preparing this, I began to think about different rescues and just envision in my head what a rescue looks like in my experience, um, most of them with movies <laughs> when it comes to rescue. Some of them people crushed in cars and waiting for someone to show up on the scene. Or you hear about people who um, are stranded on a mountaintop in the frigid weather and, and they're waiting for a rescuer to arrive or someone trapped in a cave. And all of a sudden, my mind was jogged to the Thailand rescue that happened this summer. How many of you heard about that rescue mission? It was like incredible to listen to. Um, I heard pieces of that story, but I never got the full story. And so this morning I sat and I read up a little bit about that rescue. And so what happened, just to give you a brief overview, forgive me if I jumble up any of my facts, but I believe it was on June 23rd that a group of 12 boys, and I believe their coach as well, um, after a football game, it was one of the boys' birthdays, and so they had a little time after the football game to just go and adventure, and they got on their bikes, and they went for a ride, and they found themselves at this cave, which is one of the fourth largest cave systems in the Thailand and Myanmar area. It's actually known as also a very dangerous cave where the waters get very muddy and murky, and the boys went for exploration. So they got deep, they parked their bikes, jumped off their bikes, and went deep into this cave. And before you knew it, they were trapped and had no way out. And um, as I was reading the story, I love what the writer wrote because he wrote one of the most crucial elements to those boys surviving for the time that they were trapped, which was two weeks, maybe a little over two weeks, was hope. They had to maintain hope. And if you think about any rescue mission, or maybe a patient whose um, life is on the lines of jeopardy. What is one of the most important elements is that the people who are waiting for a rescuer to have hope, to have faith, to know that they're going to make it, that there's somebody that's coming. And so these boys, they found a spot that seemed like a safe spot. They had no food, but they did have water from the drippings that were coming from the cave. Um, and there were pockets of air that they were able to breathe. And they had learned how um, to practice sitting still to conserve energy. And so that's what they did. They gathered, they huddled together, and they sat still. And they waited night upon night, day after day, 
for the sound of a rescuer to come to the rescue. It was about, um, in the very beginning, there were Thailand Navy SEALs who went out on the mission. As soon as the parents realized their boys weren't home, they began to call out for help, and one of the first places they went was this cave because they knew that this is a place that many kids go. And so when they got there, they found their bikes. And can you imagine the heartbeats of those parents as they thought about their boys trapped in this cave? Um, and rescuers began to just get prepared immediately, but they were very confused about what should be their approach. This was very dangerous, muddy waters, hard to get to. Um, and so they began to just think and plan. And on June 28th, international rescuers began to come from different places. Navy SEALs began to come on the scene, and so they got help. It wasn't just them anymore. There were people from around the world who were coming to the rescue, willing to give their own lives to get these boys back home to safety. And after... Um, about a week of searching, one of the main ways that it said that they search is actually through smell. Before they hear the, vic uh, the person waiting to be rescued, many times they'll smell them. And they smelled the boys, and they got to the boys, a couple of rescuers, and when they saw them, the first thing they did was they looked, and they began to count. And every single one of them was not only there, but they were alive. And you guys saw it on the news. It's like, you know, the news media began to sing that there's hope, and I don't know, there was something special about this rescue that I felt like everyone who was watching it were like on the edge of their seats waiting to see what was going to happen next. Um, but that was just the beginning. Finding them was just the beginning. These divers and these Navy SEALs had to endure like such hard conditions in order to get these boys to safety. And it wasn't just the Navy SEALs that got them to safety. There were all kinds of people, all kinds of volunteers who rallied around this community and they did things like cleaning the bathrooms where the workers could go and relieve themselves and washing their clothes, washing the clothes of the workers and cooking food, royal, royal people going and bringing food to those in need. So this wasn't just a matter of the search and rescue queue. It was a matter of a community coming together for a common good, right? Seeing all those boys come home. And about, let's see, June 23rd was the day they went missing. June 28th was the day the International um, Navy SEALs got there. I believe it was July 10th was the day that they finally came out to safety. All those days, they had to have hope and faith, knowing that they would once again see the light of day. What a story, right? What a story of bravery. So this morning, I want to encourage you, and I want to inspire you to have hope and faith in the God of the rescue. Can we just turn to Romans? We're going to turn, they'll put it up on the screen, Romans chapter 10, um, verses 11 through 17. Verse 17 says, as you've maybe heard it before, faith comes by hearing and hearing the word of God. But I want to read this in the uh, message translation. It says, Scripture reassures us, no one who trusts God like this, heart and soul, will ever regret it. It's exactly the same, no matter a person's religious background, what a person's religious background may be. The same God for all of us, acting the same incredibly generous way, to everyone who calls out for help. Everyone who cries, help God, gets help. But how can people call for help if they don't know who to trust? And how can they know who to trust if they haven't heard in the one who can be trusted? <laughs> 
people need to hear about the God who can be trusted. And we have been rescued to become rescuers. I want to encourage you guys today. Pastor Jeff talked about last week. He pulled out his phone and he had that little app. And, and he showed you guys how day after day, minute by minute, there are people passing away who need rescue. Some of these people don't even know that they need rescue. But we have a God who is and always will be completely consumed and in love with all of humanity. We see it from the very beginning of creation when he formed mankind. He spoke the world into existence. He spoke, let there be light, and there was light. He spoke the expanse into existence. But when it came to mankind, he put his hands upon man. And he made man in his very own image. And he became very close, and he breathed into mankind's nostrils. We serve a God who loves people. And he cares about every single person who walks on the universe. And there are so many people that we walk past day after day who are hurting, who are broken, who don't know that there is a God who loves them and who's for them, who wants to rescue them, who wants to show them a way to live, a way to be free. But we have the answer. You know, we found out through the scripture we just read that faith or hope, which is the key element for a rescue, comes by hearing. And how will they ever hear unless there's a messenger, you or I, to go and to send it and to bring the word to them, right? I remember the first time that um, I stepped into the church that I went to when I was 16. I've shared this testimony many times. I'm not going to share the whole story. But I just want to talk about the word of God because Jesus is the word of God. He is the message that we preach. He is the one that brings hope and healing to the nations, right? So I remember stepping into that little church. Um, it's called Freedom Tabernacle at the time. It was a little storefront building. And I walked in knowing that I was very desperate and in need of something real. And when I walked into that church, the presence of God was there. Um, just was so real, and as they were worshiping, I was just weeping, and there was a man who was a messenger from God. His name was Arthur Lee. He's with the Lord right now. He was a man that was small, but he was a man that was fierce. Like, Pastor Arthur Lee had such conviction, determination, such faith and courage, and he knew who he was. He knew the God that he served. Those Navy SEALs that went in for that mission, do you think they were second-guessing if they were adequate for the job? They knew who they were. They'd been trained their whole life. They worked diligently to become the people that they were able to withstand the conditions that they had to withstand to get to those boys. Arthur Lee was a man who actually he used to be in the Navy. That's funny. But he, he was in the Navy. But he was a man who was fierce with conviction, determination, and knew his God. And when I sat in that service, weeping and crying during praise and worship, he heard the voice of the Lord. And he didn't question and say, God, is that you speaking to me? He knew his God. He knew that his God speaks. And he came up here and he stopped what he was doing. And he looked at one single 16-year-old girl sitting in the audience, and he began to prophesy the word of the Lord to me. And when he spoke to me, it was like the Lord himself speaking to me through that one man. And that day, Jesus Christ rescued me through a man named Arthur Lee. 
Who has God called you to rescue? Who has he called you to begin to speak into? If you're going to be ready for the mission, you're going to have to engage and just fully dive in to knowing the Lord because you need to be adequately equipped for the work that God's called you to. You need to know who he is and you need to know who you are and you need to have the bravery and the courage to go the distance to do what God's called you to do. I want to tell you guys this morning that I believe and Pastor Jeff believes in the call in each of your lives. God hasn't called us. He didn't call us from Florida to Minnesota to come and just to preach a nice sermon on Sundays, to sing and to go home, and that's our job. No. He called us to come and to activate a people, to know intimately their God, and to step out into the world and to be the light of the world, to be the city on a hill. And that's who every one of you are. I got to have a conversation with someone this past week on Monday about um, a possible missions trip. We, um, Pastor Jeff and I have done missions work before, but since starting the church, our church hasn't together done a missions trip. And so that's one of the cries of our hearts is we want to engage the nations and help you guys to engage the nations. So we were on this phone call and um, talking to this young lady and just hearing of you know, what is happening and what God is doing in the nations. We talked about what God is doing through them in Honduras and Cuba and in Ecuador. And I was just getting like, my spirit was just leaping as I was hearing of this. And all of a sudden I had to ask her one of my questions on the paper was, how many people can go? And then I had to stop and say, before you answer me, let me tell you, I'm sure every pastor thinks like this, but the people of our church, like, are powerful people. There are people who know their God. There are people who have a heart for the nations. And I know that when we go, there's going to be a lot of people who want to go too. What are we going to do that Sunday? I don't know. But, <laughs> but so just think about that before you answer. Like, I know that you guys, every one of you have a heart that is beating with purpose. And you don't want to just live your life being, a, you know, a Christian, but you are out to be a follower of Christ, right? To be on the mission field. Every one of you have been imparted a mission, and you are called to be a missionary, whether that's in Africa or right here in Alexandria. There's a mission for you, and we need to start asking God, God, what is the message that you have placed in my heart for today? Who are the people in need of rescue that I could go and meet with and that I could go and speak hope and faith into? Right? Okay, I need to get back to my paper. I don't. All right, so we serve a God of rescue. I want us to go ahead and turn for a moment to Peter chapter 2, verse 2, or you can pull it up on your phone, or you can just look at it on the screens, and it says, as newborn babes desire the sincere milk of the word that ye may grow thereby. Listen, friends, like we encourage you guys to read your Bibles, but we're not just telling you, like, go read a book. We're telling you this word of God is living and active. It is God revealed. It is not only the word of God. It is the God of the word when you go to read your Bible. And it is by the word of God that you're going to have the energy that you need for the mission that God has given you. 
I want to encourage you guys to long for God's word. You know, before I had that encounter with God when I was 16 years old at Freedom Tabernacle, I grew up with a mom who did know Jesus and um, had been around church and had been at altars before. But I remember her telling me as a young person, like, go read your Bible, go read your Bible, go read your Bible. And sometimes when I read my Bible, I would get things out of it. Other times it was like a chore. But when I encountered the living God on that summer day, after that I was hungry for the word of God. My mom didn't have to tell me anymore, go read your Bible. I longed for God's word, and I would sit and read chapter upon chapter, and then I would get up, and I would do what it said. I would go to my little job at Publix. Publix. If you all have never been to Florida, when you go to Florida, go to Publix. Best grocery store ever. Candace says amen. So, <laughs> so I would go to my little grocery store, and I would find people, and I would pray for them, and I would tell them. I remember, you know, don't ever under underestimate your words when it comes to a rescue mission. Maybe in the beginning it's something very simple, but it starts by opening up your ear and showing up for the job, right? And saying, I'm here as part of the mission. Tell me what is my part. What can I do? And so I remember one day working, and I felt the Lord tell me, my heart was just, I was in a posture of seeking. You know, you're not really going to hear God much if you're not seeking and opening your ear for him to speak. But if you begin to ask him to speak and you get yourself into a posture of listening, he loves to talk to you. And he wants to talk to you. So I remember that day saying, like, God, who can I talk to? And the Lord pointed out this lady. And all I had for her was, Jesus loves you. And so I'm walking down the little grocery store, front, Publix, all their stuff, so pretty on the shelves, the way they do it, and buy one, get one free. Wow. We don't have that here, darn it. So anyways, I see her, and I look at her eyes, and I just stop her, and I said, ma'am, I just felt like God told me to tell you that Jesus loves you. This woman began to weep and fall apart. She said, really? Jesus loves me? Let me tell you, maybe you feel like you don't know a whole lot, but what do you know? What do you know? Be faithful with what you know. Amen? Long for God's milk. Long for the word of God. Desire him. Seek him. Read his word and then act on what you hear. Um, the word of God is going to form you. It's going to fashion you. And the next thing it's going to do is it's going to catapult you. You know, when you draw close to God in the beginning, it might seem like, actually, I don't think so. That's not a true statement. I feel like the be in the beginning, when you first begin to draw close to God, God awakens dreams in your heart. And it's actually sometimes after time is prolonged that your dreams begin to wane or fade, and you begin to think, am I really going to do the things that God has set in my heart to do? But I want to encourage you guys, the things that God's placed in your heart, even when you first believe, cultivate those desires. Begin to pray them through. If God's given you a heart for a specific people, maybe he's given you a heart for teenagers or single mothers or women who've been tra sexually trafficked, whoever it is that God's given you a heart for, begin to pray for them. 
Begin to position your heart like, God, what can I do? Maybe in the beginning, it's a few small steps. Maybe in the beginning of your mission field, you're not on the mission field, but you're supporting a missionary. Whatever it is that God's placed in your heart, don't just let it sit and grow dormant, but activate your faith. Begin to engage in the God of the rescue and ask him, what can I do now, Lord? You know, at the end of that rescue mission, there were about 100 diver, divers that were part of that mission. It wasn't only a few. Around each boy, I saw a picture, and it was like each one of those boys had about five divers that were with them on the final stretch to get them out of the caves. Attached, they, there was a tank um, that was on them. They were on a stretcher, and then they were attached to one diver, and then there was about four other divers surrounding them. So the mission that God's called you to do, you're not on your own. Like there's teammates here in this body. And maybe there are foreigners in other bodies, but they're part of the same body, the body of Christ. They serve the same rescuer. Maybe they're called to team up alongside you so that you could go and get to the ones who need rescued right? But we've got to open our hearts to the impossibilities. We've got to begin to seek God and say, what can I do, Lord? Everything that you need for your training, guys, is found in the Word of God. Like, we have to engage the Word of God like it's something serious, like it's something precious. You know, there's been times where I'm sitting and I'm reading my Bible and I catch myself drifting, like I'm either, like, getting sleepy or I'm thinking about other things that aren't pertinent. Sometimes God will cause you to think about things for a purpose when you're spending time with Him. But other times your mind is just drifting. But I count my time with the Word of God as me being with the King of the King king of kings, right? Like, I count it as something very precious and holy. So if I start to drift, like, if I'm not all there when I'm talking to God, I pull myself back in, and I'll go and reread whatever it was I just read. Because all of the instructions that God has for me are needed for the journey. Everything that he wants to teach me about being a daughter of his, about knowing who I am, about his nature his character, who he is, is needed for the journey, right? Let's go ahead and go to 2 Timothy chapter 3, starting at verse 14. The word of God is what's going to mature you, and it's going to equip you for every single assignment. Guys, like if you have, if you're, if you're not already in the word of God, begin to dig in. And when you dig in, place your heart in a posture of God, this is me and you. I'm here to meet with you. I want to hear what you have to say to me. And begin to write down the things that he's speaking to you. Dream with God while you're reading the word of God. Ask him, Lord, how does this scripture apply to me? How can I walk this out? How can I know you more? Who can I reach? God is always speaking, and he wants you to hear him. Amen? He's got a job for you to do. Let's go ahead and stand up together. Lord God, we just repent. Any of us who've been stagnant, disengaged, Lord, we repent. We ask you, Lord, forgive us. Help us, God, to be all that we can be, to glorify your name and to build your kingdom, Lord. God, I just prophesy right now over every person here, and I declare over you, 
that you are a kingdom builder. You are a mountain mover. You have what it takes to deliver people out of darkness and to bring them into his glorious light. I declare over every one of you that you have ears to hear the words of your Father, that when he speaks to you, you hear him and you don't shut the door. Lord, I declare over every person here, God, that they would be actively engaged and pursuing and running after you and running after the wanderer, Father. Lord, anoint our eyes to see like you see and our hearts to feel what you feel, Lord. We thank you that in you there is always hope. We are never without hope because we always, always have you. Just thank you, God, right now for your presence. Lord, I just thank you that you're activating dreams right now as people stand here. Just open your hearts to the Lord and what he has for you. Thank you that you're activating dreams right now, God. Things that have been dormant for a long time, God. You're showing the people here, God, that they have purpose. They have what it takes, Lord, to make all the difference. Thank you, Father. And Lord, I speak to the one who is in a place, Lord, where they feel like they need rescued. And I say to you, beloved one, hope in the Lord, for he is not far from you. He is a very present help in the time of trouble. He is a shield and a buckler. His blood has washed away your sins. And he remembers them no more. 